It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to this week's Set the Tape Rewind. I'm Tony Black, one of your co-hosts for a smorgasbord of an episode featuring stalwarts Owen Hughes and Steve Norman, who in our film and TV section discussed the spoils of San Diego Comic Con this year, including everything from Shazam to the contentious Buffy the Vampire Slayer reboot, while also tackling the thorny issue of James Gunn's surprise sacking from Guardians of the Galaxy 3 by Disney following yet another social media debacle. Beyond that, Matt Latham returns for another cassette tape talking about those now-that's-what-I-call-music albums we all remember from our youth, before finally I return from free play and speak to celebrated author Mark O'Connell about his joyful look at 70s and 80s blockbuster American cinema, Watching Skies. Anyway, enough of my blather. Let's get this party started, shall we? After an episode of mixing up the running order slightly, we're back to our usual routine and starting things off with our film chat. Steve, it's been a strange old fortnight for geeks, hasn't it? Uh, We've had all the new trailers coming out of San Diego Comic Con, uh, which we'll get on to. But first, I think we should probably talk about James Gunn's sacking by Disney over jokes that he made on Twitter years ago and had since apologised for, which were, they resurfaced when an alt-right blogger brought them to Disney's attention and they kowtowed to the demands quicker than Trump to Putin and fired the Guardians of the Galaxy director. Where do you stand on, first of all, this decision to sack him based on these tweets? Um, what, do, what do you think about that? They, they were jokes, right? That's what yeah. he said, and he admitted they were in bad taste, and he regrets. How them. many? That's what how many people? I mean, he's not a, a comedian, but he, I suppose, does have. He's a sort of a partially a comic writer, just knowing the scripts that he's or films that he's put out. With comedy, where where is the line? Is there a line? Should there be a line? Should jokes being, you know, it's it's difficult. Were you know, were they all that bad? Were they? really worth taking seriously i don't know it's mm. it's difficult i mean it's it's a shame in some ways that he won't be 
completing the Guardians of the Galaxy trilogy because he's done such a fantastic job with the first two. But in some ways, is it his own stupid fault that he's not doing them? But then, are you expecting people to search back for your tweets for the last five, ten years? Or shouldn't or shouldn't he have made the jokes in the first place? Uh, it's a strange culture now, isn't it? It's yeah, I can't weird. imagine how sad your life must be if you're trawling back through five years of someone's tweets hoping to find out, find something. Yeah. Because the guy who who, tro- who scrolled back through his tweets for five years, I guarantee he didn't think five years ago James Gunn tweeted some inappropriate jokes. I'm going to go and find them and use them to mm-hmm. get him fired. He's taken issue with, with James Gunn, probably because he's quite anti-Trump, I'm guessing, uh, and has just decided I'm going to scroll back through his whole Twitter timeline and look and see what I can find, and has managed to strike on exactly what he wanted to find and use it against him. I mean, and, and as well as this, it, it's not so much that... I mean, he said those things and he regrets saying them, and it's okay, you know, we won't repeat them, but he shouldn't perhaps have said that. But also, also... This is Disney had recruited the guy who made Troma movies for a living. You know, this is the guy who wrote Tromeo and Juliet and the Tromaville Cafe series. This isn't like they've gone, oh, we've just recruited the guy who wrote The Princess Diaries and, oh my God, I can't believe they said this. This is the guy who made a living from being shocking and offensive. That was the whole remit of what he did with Troma. And so to sack him for this seems, A, pretty backwards in in all honesty. It seems like they've made, I think they've made the wrong decision to sack him over this. I also think they've put themselves in a position here where they can't bring him back either. They can't say, all right, sorry, yeah, we acted too hastily. But Um, it's also sacking him for something that was said in a different time where things were perhaps more acceptable or less controversial, rightly or wrongly. But you can't really judge stuff that's happened in the past by today's standards. Even if it was only five years ago, sometimes you can't... You can. (laughs) You can, but sometimes you can't because, you know, things change and, and... but I just think it's a bit bit over the top. He's a, he apologised for it at the time, or, or for, you know. Mm. Um, I mean, you, I think it's different, though, isn't it? I mean, it's like he's he's you you can hold him accountable for what he said. I think that's not the issue. The issue is that the person who's like you've said, who's found these tweets, has an agenda to get this guy fired from his job for something that he said and had already apologised over. You know, something that he'd regretted. And by all accounts, personal accounts, that all the people who've come out in support of him, of James Gunn, have said that, you know, he's a really nice guy, actually. And, you know, he genuinely, sincerely regretted those comments. So I think it's it's kind of hypocritical of them to uh, sack him over this. But, yeah, I mean, like I say, the, the issue as well is, now, how do they go back on this? How do they admit that they're wrong without looking like the complete, you know, idiots that they've they've been about this decision. And I don't think there is a way. And, and that's quite sad because I think it means we get less James Gunn in, in the Marvel Universe. I know there's <clears> people who don't really like him. They find him perhaps a bit immature or juvenile sometimes. I don't think he was as progressive, in quote, 
quote marks, as perhaps some people might uh, say other directors have been in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think there's people who've taken issues to the way Peter Quill talks to um, the female characters in the film. I don't necessarily agree with that. But again, it just becomes another kind of stick to, to beat him with. But from a, from a personal point of view, I'm getting off, off on a tangent slightly. I liked his movies. I liked the direction that he took his films in. And I am personally disappointed that if that truly is the end of James Gunn in the, the MCU, then I think that's a bad thing for Marvel and for Disney. It's going back through something that he's already apologised for. Yeah, and let's be honest, it's not like Disney is squeaky clean anyway. So No, you know, no. It, Walt Disney himself, we could draw back through comments that he's made and put them to Disney and see what they say, but... I don't. I don't think they uh, they'll pay attention to it. But anyway, um, we also have just a little bit of time to squeeze in some chat about uh, the Comic Con, San Diego Comic Con, um, because other than directors being sacked and not appearing at panels, we had some trailers. Uh, I thought it'd be an opportune moment for us to talk about some of our favourite trailers from the Comic Con. Have you got any that you particularly were keen on? Any film trailers? Well, um, trying to think the Godzilla movie mm. um mm. was it godzilla king of monsters that's it that yeah. looked interesting um i liked the was it the the kong skull island film with tom hiddleston um that was i it, liked yeah. that more than i like the godzilla kind of reboot yeah i think people were a bit disappointed well some people were disappointed it with was, that godzilla it was, movie it because was okay but it wasn't anything yeah. fantastic there wasn't enough godzilla in it for a Godzilla that movie. That was the main issue yeah. from what I remember. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was okay. Um, but it does seem like they're trying to create this this universe, as everyone seems to be doing at the moment in, in mm-hmm. the movie world. But that looked like it could be interesting. Shazam, I couldn't tell whether <laughs> I would like it or not. Parts of the trailer I thought, yeah, okay, that looks good. Parts of it I thought, this looks awful. You thinking of Shazam flossing? Yeah. And yeah. I'm quite... If they do decide to work it into... Because it's a DC movie, isn't it? Yeah. So if they do to try, decide to try and work it into the, the same universe as Batman and Superman and the Justice League, how that would quite fit, because it seems very tonally different to everything they're doing, even though they are trying to introduce some more superhero quips and light-hearted moments into their movies, rather than all being dark and broody. I can't quite see how that would, would link up. Well... Yeah, I do like Shazam as a character from the, the comics that I've read, uh, the graphic novels. But yeah, he does have somewhat of a dark background because he was an orphan, uh, passed around from foster care home to foster care home um, and is a bit of a ruffian, to, shall we say. And so like, the, there is that element to his background. But I, you're right, I don't think from that trailer I get the impression that this is the same universe as Ben Affleck as Batman. Yeah. You know, this doesn't look they, like I mean, the... They might keep it completely separate with just a few Easter eggs or nods to the, the rest in there. Or they might try and merge them all together, I don't know. But Yeah. Well, we also had two trailers, actually, for Aquaman. So I think that... Looks like it's almost a bridge between what Shazam is and, say, what Man of Steel was. Yeah. It does have some of that humour. I did find the humour, the the comedy, the jokes from Justice League that involved Aquaman 
just a bit cringy. Mm. I think they were trying really hard to put a bromance there with uh, Flash, and it wasn't working for no. me. So, I, yeah, going into Aquaman with slight trepidation. Uh, but I've got, I've got my fingers crossed on Shazam. Uh, but also one other trailer that I think we probably should talk about is Glass, which is M. Night Shyamalan's third film in that series, yes. if you can call it a series, Unbreakable, Split, and now Glass. Yeah. Mm. What do you think of it? Well, it's an interesting concept. Split I really liked and mm. didn't see the, the the thing coming right at the end where it tied into da, 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 da. I haven't got it. I haven't uh, seen it yet so <laughs> fingers in the ears for that one but yeah split split was really good and a, a, like a real surprise unbreakable I haven't mm-hmm. seen for years but it does look it, it does look like it could be interesting I mean the trailer doesn't really reveal too much so well okay it's a good point for us to break off and uh, move on to part two <laughs> Part two, no, and that can only mean we're about to talk about the good old telebox. But we're not straying too far from the film section this week as we're sticking with San Diego Comic-Con. I'm sure you'll have some stuff to say about Star Wars, the Clone Wars, returning from the grave for a seventh season due out next year, Steve, probably. But before that, can we just talk a bit about Buffy? Because Joss Whedon's popular vampire-slaying teen, uh, it was announced it'll get a reboot series. I mean, my first question is why? Because Buffy is still fairly relevant, isn't it? I don't think as bu- of Buffy as being old. Is it old? Is it like that old that oh, it needs a reboot? Gets a, everything gets a reboot, doesn't it? I mean, um, Sabrina the Teenage Witch is getting a dark and gritty reboot, isn't it? Yeah, they're um, also redoing... Well, that's, they're doing Charmed again, yeah. but I don't know if it's a reboot or if it's a sort of continuation. I don't really understand Charmed's... But, yeah, neither but... do I, but it seems like any of these kind of supernatural, paranormal, witchy, vampire-y <laughs> teen, teen shows yeah. are getting a reboot at the moment. I mean, you stick a werewolf in Clueless and they'll probably remake that next week. That's just Teen Wolf, isn't it? Well, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm. But I mean, I can, I can. So from that point of view, okay, fair enough. I can kind of, kind of understand. I thought about it a bit more, and you know, it's. It is the type of show you would expect to be made now. Maybe by someone like Netflix who's trying to promote strong central female characters. And um, Buffy could be that. Again, I mean, there, there were, we were talking about James Gunn earlier on um, and the way that his the sort of revisionism about his quote-unquote pro- progressiveness. The same thing's happening with Joss Whedon, of course, uh, which for reasons we don't need to go into for fear of inducing the wrath of his lawyers. But there, there are some issues that a bit, I've seen people point out about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, some of the, the things that show how she has to rely on a man all the time, even though she's meant to be strong and independent. And ultimately, a lot of the time, she has to turn to men for various different reasons. There are ways around, like, if you if this was to be done by... Just, I'm just saying Netflix, just because I think you see them do this more than most of the networks. But if it was done by Netflix and it was if it was due out like this year, you can just see those roles being flipped slightly. But you know, I always thought of of Buffy as a. a I, I enjoyed it. I used to like Buffy. 
I think you can go back and watch episodes now and some bits are ropey, some bits are great. Some of the Monster of the Week episodes can be bad. Some of them can be fantastic. I just don't understand necessarily why Buffy. Why not just do a different show? Do you know what I mean? Am I alone no. in thinking that? Why not just make a different show about somebody else who's... I guess it's the IP, but at the same time, just just yeah. do something new and original. Yeah, um, maybe it's just a theory, the idea that that will sell better than something new or original, but I don't really know where that theory would come from when you look at something like Stranger Things. All right, perhaps some of the ideas in it aren't new, but it's a whole new show. It's not a spin-off, a reboot, a follow-up. It's... I mean, it's heavily, heavily indebted. Oh well, yeah, it's influenced by by a lot shows, of things, but... but it's not a you know, it's not like they've rebooted a show like they are with this. And yeah, they haven't made ET the TV series. No. They've just borrowed lots from yeah. ET and stuff like that. Yeah. But also coming out of uh, San Diego Comic Con, we had Andrew Lincoln. The news about Andrew Lincoln, who plays Rick in The Walking Dead, he's definitely leaving the show. Yes. In season nine. Yeah. Now, you, you've been following Walking Dead more closely than I have over the past few years. For my sins. Um, God knows why. <laughs> is this a good thing for the show or is this potentially disastrous? I don't know. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. that's probably not a very good answer. But I have no idea if it will be a good thing or not. Um, because also, the, the the person who plays Maggie, whose name I can't remember off the top of my head now, she is also leaving, I believe. So it's two of the mm-hmm. big characters leaving. Now, whether they actually get killed off or not, or they are left alive so they can come back at some point, I don't know. I can't say. Yeah. In the in the comics, which are a fair bit further ahead than what this is at the moment, both of those characters are still in it. So there's no there's no way that they there's no storyline from the comics where they can take these characters out. Um, mm-hmm. Although Carl is still in the comics and is no longer in the show so they've managed to find a way around i you know yeah because i guess the 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 thought was that it would always be carl who the torch is passed to like that's how it's always i I stopped reading the comics as well a couple years ago but i always felt like the natural progression for for the walking dead comics was carl would become front and center i mean the show the the show is a bit stale it Mm -hmm. needs a kick up the backside whether it's removing a lot of the the old guard, I suppose, which mm-hmm. this would more or less do. I mean, if you got rid of if those two leave, then the only characters from early on in the show really left are Daryl, Carol, Michonne, and Eugene mm-hmm. and Rosita. So there's not many. There's only you know there would only be Daryl and, and Carol who were originally in the in the opening season yeah um mm-hmm. in the main cast so yeah it, i mean the trailer looked encouraging it looked a bit more a, a bit more fresh and a bit different to what we've seen previously but probably all their trailers have been like that so mm-hmm. who knows i mean they've teased heavily in the trailer or not heavily but they've teased in the trailer the next bad guy from the or bad guys from the comics which are a bit different to what we've seen before and maybe that'll work better in a TV show. I don't know. Okay, we also had, um, very quickly, because we're running out of time again, but Supergirl Season 4 will introduce the first transgender superhero. Dreamer is the character by Nicole Maines. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce her name. Sorry if that's incorrect. 
Again, we're all about progression today on the podcast. Is this a good thing? Is this pandering? Is it actually a step forward? Is it a good thing? What... It's, a, it's a good thing, but whenever something like yeah. this happens, I just think, so what? Like, why, <laughs> why are we making an issue of this? If we stop making a thing about it, it will become more normal sure. quicker. So, yeah, it's great that this is happening because it doesn't happen enough. These things, characters like this and... and Act, act, mm-hmm. people like this don't get the roles and don't get characters for them enough that's that's true but the way but the way that such a big deal is made about it in kind of news stories and everything just doesn't help seem to be make it normal just make it accepted mm-hmm. if you just left it and then just the episode aired and they were in it for me that would be better because it's just accepting it more when will this kind of thing stop being a story how often does it have to happen for it to be accepted as normal. Do we have to have 20 characters like this and then it stops being normal? It's just, all right, that's a new character, that's what it is. Does it have to be 50, 100? Does that have to be happening for 10 years, 20 years, 5 years? Mm-hmm. If we just, if everybody just stopped making a new story of it and we're obviously guilty of doing what I'm... If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit kia.com to learn more. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. Saying now because we're talking about it, but if we just stopped making a story of it, not me and you, but everybody, yeah. it becomes more normal quicker. Yeah, I see what you mean. I, also, I, I do think it's worth... I mean, it's the same as, like, I would say it's similar to... Um, footballers coming out and it should be celebrated and made into a thing because it helps to normalize it but i see what you mean in that it shouldn't be but i 
it is. <laughs> it's one of those weird situations. But it's the same, but the same thing with to... like, footballers coming out as gay. It shouldn't even they have yeah. to come out to the press as gay. It should just be like no, they they're doing an interview about their private life and they happen to mention their boyfriend. It's, oh, right, okay, fair enough. Well, so what? Uh, yeah. Football's a completely but different unfortunately... envi- environment to the entertainment industry and, and everything, especially men's football. Yeah. But yeah. you know what I mean. It's Yeah, yeah it's, I think it's a step forward that it's happening. It's not going to make me go and watch the no. show. That's my um, bottom line. Um, but why should folks be excited for a new season of Clone Wars, Steve? And you've got well, 60, 60 seconds. seconds. Right, well, the guy who seems to be in charge of all Star Wars TV, Dave Filoni, is yeah. brilliant. Um, Re- Star Wars Rebels was excellent four-season arc. Clone Wars, after the first season or so, was, was really good. Explored some interesting storylines between um, Clone Wars and Revenge of the Sith. And yeah, basically, as their their movies aren't doing so well at the moment, if they want someone to come in and run all their movies, just let that guy do it because he seems to be brilliant <laughs> at it. If they want some like Kevin Feig type person for Star Wars, give it to him because he knows what he's doing. Great. So people should be excited for a new season. Yes. Yes, I would say so. Yes. Awesome. We'll also have um, articles from Ian Blackout that will be going up on the website about the new Clone Wars. Um, that'll be on setthetape.com. So keep an eye out for that. My name is Matthew Latham. You're listening to The Cassette Tape and I'm going to give you a quick history lesson. There was an advertising poster for Danish bacon where a pig was listening to a chicken sing. It was back in the 1920s. Times were different back then, but at the top of the poster was a phrase. And that phrase was now. That's what I call music. Virgin owner Richard Branson had given that poster to his cousin Simon Draper as a gift. Draper also happened to be Virgin Records' managing director at the time. It was a name that was given to a compilation album that was released in a joint venture between Virgin and EMI. It was also the first time any major record label had collaborated on anything like it. The first one was released on the 28th of November 1983. As of the 20th of July, the 100th edition will have been released. I could go into more details on how many records this series has broken and how each compilation forms a time capsule of what the current music climate was at that time of release. But this is my section. I'm going to briefly talk about the first one I remember owning and he's probably still my favourite one of the lot. Now 29, it's still Ace. I had it on cassette, or at least my parents did, I just listened to it. It was released in November of 1994. It opens with the bombastic duet of Pato Banton and UB40 with Baby Come Back, and then we're whisked across the 90s dance pop that dominated the charts. There's Another Night by The Real McCoy, Rhythm of the Night by Corona, and the re-release of True Faith by New Order in 94. Sophie B. Hawkins' Right Beside You appears as well. Then that's when the alternative rock suddenly creeps in. The Crash Test Dummies' polarising song, Mmm, 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 is on here, alongside perhaps one of the best songs ever, in my opinion, Lisa Loeb's amazing song, Stay. I've always meant to try R.E.M. as well, but the song that I always remember the most that doesn't include a member of the B-42s is What's the Frequency Kenneth because of this compilation. And right after that, Cigarettes and Alcohol by Oasis, and we're still on the end of Type 1. Type 2 starts with its really big current hits of the time. E-17, Shakademus and Pliers, R. Kelly... And then we come to the filler songs. But the filler songs on this compilation, there's still amazing choices on it. Confide in Me is a brilliant Kylie Minogue track. I could spend a whole episode of this talking about. 
Park Life by Blur, and there's even Trouble by Shampoo, a pop act with a song so annoyingly catchy, but still arguably ahead of its time for reasons I don't have time here to divulge. I think a lot of people have their own now compilation they remember listening to. It perhaps has lost a lot of its dominating force due to the rise of streaming, but it's still an interesting series to dip into in terms of the aforementioned time capsule elements of it. So until the next 100 releases in another 35 years time, this is what I call an episode of the cassette tape. Available from all good stores. Okay, welcome to our free play section uh, this week where I'm uh, talking to a guest, special guest we have on today, uh, Mark O'Connell, the author of Watching Skies, Star Wars, Spielberg and Us, uh, which is a brand new book uh, all about uh, Mark's uh, love of 1980s Americana, really, and, and 1970s, 1980s Americana. So thanks for coming on the show, Mark, for a, a, a little chat about your brand new book. No, hello. Hello, everyone. Hello, fellow tape heads. Are we, are we allowed to say that? I think we might, yes. We, yeah, we can, we yeah. can go with that. That's a new thing you've coined there. That's yeah, you hope it's not some dodgy thing that we'll find out. But yeah, we'll, we'll go with tape heads for today, yeah. <laughs> tape heads, yeah, I like it, I like it. It's, it's, it's a great book. I mean, you, you obviously came to some level of prominence with your first book uh, catching bullets which is all about james bond and your grandfather's wonderful the wonderful story of your grandfather's history with the bond series which that's right I yes, loved. yes, it was, yes such a wonderful book loved it thank as a you massive bond fan and uh, this this is it's not a, a, a sequel in terms of it carrying on that story but in in a way it sort of thematically seems to be sort of connected yes yeah for a long time i resisted doing anything in that same vein and same mold and then a publisher, we were sort of chatting and he, he sort of loved Catching Bullets and the Bond stuff I do. And we sort of loosely said, is there a Star Wars book here? And I went, <laughs> yes, because that was always in my head as the second book. Um, and then the issue was, well, where do, I don't want to cross too many streams of my timeline with Bond and my timeline with Star Wars. They obviously have crossovers. But when I thought about it and looked at it, I thought, actually, my Star Wars Spielberg sort of the, the genesis of finding those movies was actually just before my Bond timeline. So it's a sort of prequel sequel. Like I call it a Star Wars prequel and then what can what can go wrong. So yeah, that's where I uh, <laughs> sort of where it comes from. But it's a sort of yeah, it's very much the next chapter. But whereas perhaps Catching Bullets was my memoir of being a, a franchise fan and a Bond fan, this is perhaps a it's it's a nod to all our childhoods, all our remembrances, whether you know whether we've forgotten things or not. Yeah, definitely, because it spans sort of around I I'd say roughly about an eight, seven, eight year sort of span, doesn't it? it sort of yeah. between sort of Jaws yeah, and ET. Officially, it's sort of seventy five to eighty four. But then right, I, okay. I do look at uh, the sort of what happened to Star Wars and Superman, particularly what happened after eighty. Uh, 84 because obviously lots of things have happened since and also whereas the film that jaws is the one that sort of launches the book uh in the timeline at least there's obviously lots of films that fed into jaws american graffiti bonnie and clyde rosemary's baby the godfather so yeah so 75 to 84 is the is the window but it, it's sort of flanked by uh curtains on either side a bit that sort of open it out even more yeah it, it's that it's that real span isn't it that span of cinema where the, the the you know the what we what we know to be the blockbuster or the beginnings of the blockbuster you know in American culture which yes. then spread to the UK you know and then mm. you know I, I grew up in the eighties you know I was a child of the eighties so I, I I I caught that as a young child going into the nineties you know with all the big action movie blockbusters and that kind of thing but it all sort of began really with Spielberg and Lucas and that that transformation that they they started and created really didn't it yeah they changed I mean it's 
it's you know, I've been saying it so much recently, but they did they did change cinema so much, and, and almost just those two guys, Lucas and Spielberg. Yes, other people would, and other factors were dramatically important too. But with Jaws, particularly, Spielberg changed the commerce of the movies because suddenly the films could come out in the summer, and that was often a bit of a dry, barren time in American cinemas, at least. And then Jaws came out and you know ruled the waves for months and months and months in America. So it's sort of looking at that, and then that's why perhaps one could argue that Star Wars, a couple of years later, was a, a you know became a summer hit because Jaws slightly, you know, almost literally set out the deck chairs and said, you know, this vacation has started, let's do it. And that's it. It really feels like it's a book that sort of spans you know this period, but it, the the key to it really, and I think why why it has those as I mentioned sort of similarities to Catching Bullets, and that it's it's very personal. You know, it comes mm. at it not. It's not a you know a book of of the history of this cinema in 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 that sense. It's more no, about... it's it's not a book of of stats and facts. You know, no. I make a joke that this is not going to proudly tell you that Tom Selleck was nearly Indiana <laughs> Jones or that. You know, I, I we know that it's this is yeah. not about trivia. This is about our, our trivia through those films. Mm, definitely, and it's your journey, really. Your journey as a young boy growing up and going through you know and then as an adult you know going and visiting some of these these places and going on the road trip you know in, mm. in, in america and things like that and having that experience as an adult and a child i mean i think that's the key to the book isn't it that that's why it's so you know it, it comes at it from a new angle in that people can really have that you know nostalgic feeling yes yeah yeah because these films haven't ended you know mm. even if even if we never had another star wars film after 83 or a blade runner or an indiana jones um those films i think would still have as much importance and weight to them weight of history and weight of cinematic history but they have carried on we you know one of the chapters in the book i write a letter to my sort of eight-year-old 1984 <laughs> self going there are gonna be more star wars films there's gonna be another spoiler everyone who didn't see Force Awakens. There's going to be, you know, Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, and Carrie Fisher are going to come back, and there's going to be more Star Wars films, and Indiana Jones, and Rocky, and Blade Runner, and basically <laughs> a lot of those franchises that you assumed had had their day in the '80s haven't. They're still here. So what I try and do in the book is go, why are they still here? And it's not it, nostalgia and looking over our shoulders at our past isn't enough. It's how, why did those films initially? do so much and revolutionize so much and yeah close encounters changed how films were how films sounded you know what we heard through dolby and all of that jaws as i say changed the scheduling and the idea of summer blockbusters and also the idea of youth cinema spielberg and lucas brought kids back to the cinema again so that that's what that was and then when et becomes the most pirated movie of all time in 82 to me that's important because it means it was the most watched film at home for many a decade so so it's sort of bringing in all of that and looking at each film why what did that film do that still has relevance today yeah and it, and it does that really well because it it allows you to sort of draw those you know connecting lines and because you know in some ways i think we're going through almost a resurgence of that kind of, of that kind of cinema in some ways you know you've got people like the rock mm. you know being this hilarious sort of old school 80s kind of you know action hero now you've got You've got things like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which are just these massive blockbuster 
events that children just you know i mean my my best friend's got like a 10 year old boy and he's he's just enraptured with the avengers and all that kind of thing in the way that you would have been and i would have been when it, when star wars was out and indiana jones and all these kind of things so it's it feels like it's the right time to yes. look back in this yeah. isn't it there are very few films that become events i mean even some of them i'm not a massive marvel fan initially i actually think the, the most recent wave of their films has been the most successful but and they are events and if they're an event for a 10 you know little kid age 10 then that's great because because they need those cinematic events you know to me the last big movie event was possibly phantom menace or jurassic park mm. um mm. i'm sure there are others i'm sure there are others so it's yeah it was the sort of watching skies just trying to look at those those moments of history i mean the the, the uh, people that weren't around et was like talked about as much as trump you know would be today or social media or fake news yeah. you know one film was to became sort of the parlance of, sort of popular culture across the globe um so i'm trying to sort of slightly remind of that but without doing that i'm not an old man sitting on my rocking chair <laughs> shouting at dvds going past or blu-rays or digital downloads yeah i'm not going to do that because i think evolution happens for all the right reasons no it's a very joyful book you know it's looking back with that you know without without rose tinted glasses looking back you know and and capturing that that sense of wonder you know yes. that you had when you were a child and it's it's that's why it's so lovely to read you know I, I think it's one of those books as well you don't have to have grown up in that era you know i, I didn't grow up with the i wasn't around when star wars the first well any of the star wars came out kind of i mean mm. 83 i was one so i you know i wasn't around at that point i wasn't there for et i was just being born and funnily enough somebody i was having a conversation about um what what point in time would you go back as a movie fan and, re- and revisit and I, I chose well i chose 1982 because i wanted to see the wrath of khan without knowing spock dies hang on and... whoa 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 spock dies oh, i'm sorry this is a sixth sense moment all over again of isn't it bruce willis really slowly through my star trek movie <laughs> canon box set no no uh, yeah no do you know what that's not you're not the first person to say 82 i've uh, you know other people i've chatted with have, we've sort of said what is the year and everyone's knee jerked and said 82 um, I was alive in '82. I remember. I do remember seeing ET. I and that sort of is my only remembrance of that year going to the movies. I I missed, you know, The Thing and Wrath of Khan, Blade Runner, and Tron, and all of those movies. But yeah, that is a good year to go back to as well because it's it's one thing I was trying to underline because I haven't written the book for for just you know people in their early 40s who still look young and effervescent like myself it has been also <laughs> written for people that weren't in that era because you know i wanted it to be universal for all all sky kids um and one of the things i try and just underline is we didn't have youtube we didn't if we saw a film trailer we had to hopefully catch it at the cinema before some disney holiday half-term release um we didn't we, we would often see a film poster in the lobby of a movie theatre. We we would not see, you know, it shared online like Aquaman has in the last couple of days or, you know, all the other films coming out of Comic-Con. So it was a bizarre time and, and we never had all those, in the 80s, we never had Netflix and memes and GIFs and you know, all those platforms. And again, I'm not berating that or, or, you know, being old man about it, but it's ironic that this sort of 80s-ness is being this fascination in 80s is being held up by all this software and technology that wasn't around at the time. I, I, I think that's quite curious. So that's sort of also what the book tries to remember as well. Yeah, because I, th- I think if, if we had, had had that technology back then, it would have been, 
you know, the reactions would have been very much the same. You know, you would have had the good and the bad, you know, because it's not all bad on social media. That's the other thing. You know, people always accentuate. They always see the, the horrible flame wars going on, all the horrible Star Wars fandom and things yeah. like that. But there's a lot of good stuff. You know, there's a lot of people really just loving these things and getting enjoyment out of them. And I think it would have been definitely the same back then. So, yeah, it, it, the book captures that and, yes. and reminds you of that, definitely. Yeah, hopefully. Um, yeah. No, it, it really does. It really does. Um, but, yeah, it's available from the History Press, but you, obviously you can get it on... Um, Amazon. Yes, um, yeah, it's, and... it's all the usual places, Amazon, Waterstone, Smiths, and it's been published in the US as well for sort of US readers uh, at the beginning of September, so it'll be, oh. it's going to fly the uh, Atlantic as well. Perfect. It surely will do really well over there. I mean, given, given that a lot of it is, the majority is about American movies and that kind of cinema, so you'd hope, you know, are they flying you out there, Mark, to do some... Uh, no, no, I'm going <laughs> to thumb a lift like some 70s Spielberg single mum. <laughs> and hope that I'll get picked up by a bearded kind guy that will, will drive across. Um, no, not yet, but I, I'm often in yeah. America, and that, obviously the book reflects that. Um, yes. It's sort of San Francisco's a second home, so um, yeah, mm. we, we shall see. Perfect, perfect. So what, what's uh, what's next? I mean, are you, have you got any further books in the pipeline sort of tapping into this kind of this kind of area? Or oh, yeah, anything? yeah, I've got a couple of ideas to sort of keep this project going, but um, I'm, the next thing I'm working on is something... It, I, it's going to be the third part of this cinema trilogy, but the third part will be something completely different um, and not what I think most people will expect, but hopefully what a few people might like. I am super curious. Very, very you won't, curious. No one will guess it either. No one will guess it. So <laughs> just yeah, watch this space. That's exciting. That's really exciting. Well, um, yeah, go out, guys, and buy uh, Watching Skies. It's, it's a great book. It's really well. It really well. Like, like we said, you, know, you don't have to have lived it. You don't have to have been there at the time. You, know, you can pick this up, even as a young person, and really get um, into the mindset of being that age and you know at that time you know really it's a great book talking about some of the best movies in cinema that have ever been made so yeah check it out thank you Um, you. thanks a lot mark for coming on enjoy no worries no it's been good to chat i I like chatting with people that know their movies and their eras so it's been good to chat thank you cheers you're officially now a tapehead so you know yeah yeah uh, yeah team tapehead i'm (laughs) hashtagging that now okay Turn off the projector and bring up the house lights as we're done for another edition of Set the Tape Rewind. Remember to check out our site, www.setthetape.com, for news, articles, reviews, and more every day. And follow us on Facebook at Set the Tape and Twitter at Set the Tape. Until next time, thanks for listening. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. 
Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.